As we wind down 2021, it's a really good time for us to dig into the market stats from the last year. Because most of you guys out there listening are probably hoping for your first home purchase to be in 2022. That's also a great time for us to go back and look at some of the basics that every first-time buyer should know. So let's put the fun back in fundamentals. Okay, hi. I guess I should explain myself there. I am your host, David Sidoni, and this is the How to Buy a Home podcast. And if you're a first-time listener, hang on, it'll all make sense in a minute. If you're a regular, you know what's up. It's another late night in the office, and I am going more than a little stir-crazy in this room all by myself. <sighs> Dude, this week has been bananas with listeners reaching out with questions, concerns, or just seeking guidance. And I'm answering all of them and rocking all day and all night, and it's getting nuts. There's so much information out there that isn't correct or isn't detailed or isn't getting you guys what you need, so people are starting to come here, and it's awesome. So I apologize for my minor meltdown there. Okay, let's get into 2021. Let's see what happened and see where it's going. So for many of you, it's the first time that you ever thought seriously about buying a home in 2021, because I don't think you were thinking about doing this when you were 12. So today, we're going to dig deep and get all analytical on the year that was, and then we'll go back to some of those fundamentals that I was talking about. Fundamentals, there I go again. It's so you can get set up right for 2022. We're going to dive right into the three topics on the 2021 numbers and beyond. We'll discuss right now how much home price has risen in the last 12 months and what's happening with home values right now, the end of the year, the end of 2021. And of course, what's projected for next year. I'm sure you're all curious about that. Okay, we're going to get those answers. But first, I just want to give you guys a glossary of terms, especially for your newbies out there. I'll define these terms so that you know what we're talking about. The first one is appreciation. That is an increase in the value of an asset. So if you buy a home and the price goes up, you are getting appreciation. Depreciation is a decrease in the value of asset. And this is the important one deceleration. Now, not a very big word, but sometimes it kind of confuses people because we talk about deceleration and it sounds like depreciation, but deceleration is just anytime anything happens at a slower pace, including positive things. And there's one more term that you probably need to know if we're going to move forward, and that is rent. I know, silly. You guys all know what rent is. Yeah, it's that powerful 1990s Broadway show that paved the way for gender-fluid storylines, along with more current music composition and darker storylines that paved the way for grittier and more realistic musicals. Although, the fact that the whole show we were waiting to hear Roger's life-changing one-song glory, and then when we finally hear that song at the end of the second act, it's not even in my top 10 best songs of the entire show. Yeah, that's a little bit disappointing. Oh, disappointing. Like, your rent. Let's talk about rents. Rents have increased significantly this year. There was a report from the National Rent Report, and that comes from apartmentlist.com, and it shows rents are rising at a much higher rate than the three years leading up to the pandemic. Since January of this year, 2021, the national median rent has increased by a staggering 16.4%. And I told you guys some places where it was way higher than that. Now, if you want to put that into context, 
the rent growth from January to September averaged just 3.4%. And that was in the pre-pandemic years. From 2017 to 2019, January to September was just 3.4%. This year, in 2021, it's 16.4%. Yeah, renting sucks. And it's going to go up more next year. So while you take that into consideration, also consider the money that I hate to do this to you, but let's look back and consider the money that you lost. It's not your fault, man. It's not your fault that you didn't buy a house this year. You just decided to do this when you decided to click on this podcast. That's cool. You didn't know the market was going to take off, but now you can be prepped to not miss out in the future. Let's focus on that positive. See, the monthly rent payments can be flipped into a mortgage payment. And that pays for your shelter, something you're already paying for anyway. And it also acts as an investment. That investment grows in another term we call equity. That's another glossary term for you, meaning the profit you make on a home when it is appreciating. Now, of course, you make equity just by sleeping in the same place as you pay for, like when you're sleeping in an apartment that you pay for. Your equity gets an additional boost, like I said, from the price appreciation, which wasn't near record levels this year. The latest homeowner equity insights report from CoreLogic, CoreLogic is a big nerd stat factory. It revealed that the 2021 number is going to sting a little bit if you didn't buy. Ah, forget it. It's going to sting a lot, dude. The average homeowner gained approximately $51,500 in equity in the past year. All right. Well, what are we going to do? Cry over spilled milk? As a renter, you missed out on that. And just like that concert that you went to last month because you had such a FOMO from being locked inside your apartment for a year and a half, that FOMO that you had for getting out there and being with people, that's nothing compared to the FOMO that you should have had as a renter. You didn't realize what you were missing. Since none of your monthly rent checks that you paid in 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, none of them came back to you as an investment. That means by renting this year, you likely paid more in rent than you did the previous year. And that sucks. You know what else sucks? You also missed out on potentially the wealth gain of $51,500 that you could have had by owning your home and making that exact same payment. Why on earth am I telling you this? Where's Ted Lasso? Where's the positive? Why am I bumming you out? Well, it's again to remind you why we do this because I did the same thing in my 20s. Yeah, I don't know. What's the deal? Maybe I'm a vindictive old man who wants you to feel as lousy as I do looking back at the years when I could have made lots of money and I could do a backflip without even trying hard. Man, youth is wasted on the young, damn it. No, that's not why I do it. I'm not vindictive and mean, although that was kind of fun to actually say out loud. No, I blew it. I blew it. And then I figured it out. And then I decided to start a podcast so y'all don't blow it like I did. It's a vicious cycle of misinformation out there. And it's got to stop. So let's learn from our history and make a plan to win in the future. It's too late for me, but it's not too late for you. So let's start with the question. We figured out how much money it would be, but how much have home values appreciated in the last 12 months? According to the home price index from CoreLogic, home values have increased 18.1 compared to this time last year. Additionally, prices have gone up at an accelerated pace, like every single month it went up to get to that 18.1%. Now, keep in mind, it's usually around 5% average when we're going up. So 18.1 is bonkers. 
the increase that we look at is when they give you that number, they're talking about year over year. So that means from January 2020 to January 2021, year over year. It like started at 10% in January and then 10.4% in February, 11% in March, blah, 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 till we hit 18.1% appreciation in August. So anyone who listened to the podcast in 2019 and 2020 and bought then, that's 18.1% appreciation they got in their house. Okay, so now as we come to the end of the year, let's talk about what's happening to home prices right now. Well, after this bananas year of hitting double-digit appreciation, which is, like I said, just truly insane, considering the fact that 5% is the average. This year's price acceleration is beginning to level off as we hit the end of the year. It's still going up, but in a decelerating way. It's not going down. It's just not going up as fast. So year-over-year appreciation is probably in a close to 20%, but it's starting to plateau. In fact, some people think that at the end of the year, we might even be at 15%. And by the time you hear this podcast, that's just going to be in a couple of weeks. So keep in mind, again, this does not mean that home values are going to depreciate in 2022. It just means that things are going to slow down. It's not going to go up as high. It means the average rate of appreciation will slow, yet it's still going to stay above the 25-year average of 5.1%. So we're still going to be above 5.1%. You ain't going to get that 10, 11, 12, bam, 18 like you did in 2021. But you are going to still probably get over 5% in 2022. And that leads us to what about next year? So if you're thinking, like I said, you know, you're sitting in your car in your treadmill, walking your dog going, cool, bro, thanks for the history lesson. What about next year? Well, prices will continue to rise with time. But many of you out there might be thinking, wait, should we expect in the fall? Yes, eventually they will. Just probably not next year. Now, nobody knows for sure. Nobody has a crystal ball. But we took the experts and they continue to expect appreciation through 2022. This isn't me talking. Well, this is me talking, but this isn't me, my thoughts talking. This is me regurgitating things from other people who are smarter than me because I can't stand opinion podcasts. The projected rate of appreciation varies among the experts. Now, this is some stuff, we're taking everything into account. We're talking about the supply chain challenges. Yeah, I did all my Christmas shopping the other day because holy Moses, Amazon is saying everything is delay, 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 delay. Supply chain. We've also got virus variants. It's still happening, it's still out there, and it's still affecting the way people buy and sell things. So we're taking into account all of that but they're still all say that they're expecting appreciating and not depreciating home values in 2022. So again, using these new terms, 2022 will decelerate, but it's continuing to appreciate. Does that make sense? Here, well, I'm going to do it in real simple baby talk. In 2022, it'll still go up, but not as bananas as it did in 2021. There, how was that? The 2021 banananess in prices is the result of heavy buyer demand and a shortage of homes for sale. Like I said, most experts believe that the housing inventory that is coming into the market, it will increase, but not increase insane, both in new homes and instruction homes. So the supply and demand is going to become more in balance, but it's not going to be fully in balance. 
But what that will do is it gets a little more imbalance as it will bring a lower rate of appreciation, not depreciation, just appreciating at a lower rate. Here's the numbers from the six major entities. Fannie Mae forecasts 7.4% appreciation in 2022. Freddie Mac says 7%. Mortgage Bankers Association says 5.2%. Home Price Expectation Survey says 5.1%. Zellman and Associates, who I'm convinced is some dude in like a velvet Dungeon and Dragons robe and a wizard hat surrounded by all his employees, and he makes them call him Zellman the All-Knowing. Well, that wizard dude, he says 3% next year. And the National Association of Realtors, they say 2.8% appreciation, which when you think about it, it's actually really interesting because that association gets more money in dues if the realtors are stoked and pumped up about the numbers, yet they're the lowest and the bleakest prediction. If anyone wants the high numbers out there and printed, it's them. So in a way, that's a good sign to expect appreciation because they're going conservative. Okay, let me give you some bonus insights. So I told you we talk about what happened last year, and then we talked about where we are at the plateau right now, and then we talked about 2022, which is anywhere from 2.8% to 7.4%. Now, let's go beyond that. These same prognosticators, forecasters, predictors, these economists, both those who are bearish and bull, as I've said to you before, they pointed out this, that homes have appreciated for 114 straight months. So to anyone who studies anything in economics, we assume that what goes up will come down. But when is the magic question? So as I said, if you find out, you listen to the stuff I regurgitate to you. Because unlike your local news, your cable news, or your social media, this is not spewings of opinion. I'm going old school, asking these experts, and these guys use these weird things called facts. Pulsenomics, which is a complete nerd publication that really digs into the facts and figures with economists. They talk to economists, investment strategists, housing market analysts, asking them for their five-year prediction. So they predicted for 2021, and then in terms of what lies ahead, the experts, they do see some slight deceleration, but not depreciation. So 2021's in the books. Look what they said for the next four years. 5.82% for 2022. So that's pretty much right in the middle there are the six other folks that we had that were in the real estate business. These are the 100 economists and investor folks and housing market analysts. They say 5.82. 2023, still going up 3.94%. Really, you're taking it all the way to the 100th decimal value? That means that all these dudes, when they were writing out their thing, they were deciding that they can figure it out to the 100th value. Gotta love the numbers, geeks. So anyway, we got 5.82 for 2022, 3.94% for 23, 3.56% in 24, and still 3.55% in 2025. Now, if those numbers sound crazy to you, go back and listen to episode 47 and 48 where we talk about the bubble, because there's a million reasons behind this. And as long as we don't have a global meltdown, then there's still so many things that mean housing are going to continue. And as I've mentioned in several episodes, if we do have a recession, most of the time, three out of the last five major recessions, housing has actually gone up. So if you're doing the math, if you've already listened to a bunch of these episodes and you're a hardcore how to buy a home head, does that work? I don't know. What about 
how to buy a homers or maybe just believers, whatever. If you're hardcore and you listen a lot, you did the math and you're probably figuring out that, okay, 5.82 for 2022, 3.94, then 3.56, then 3.55. You're adding that up and you're like, oh my God, that's getting close to my 15% because if I put 5% down with PMI, <gasps> okay, so let me explain that to those of you who don't understand it. When you gain enough appreciation where you get 20% of equity, you dump the PMI that mom and dad are so freaked out about. So let's say you bought with PMI at 5%, okay? Let's say you did that and you did it halfway through 2022. Then you're going to catch half of the 5.82 appreciation because you're not going to be closing in January. So I'll give you 2.5% for that. It's a little below half. You get another... Let's see, 2023 through 2025, that's 11.05%. So your grand total, if you close in the middle of next year and these averages from all these folks work out, you're going to have 13.55% appreciation. With 5% down, that takes you up to 18.55. You're almost at 20% equity. Wait a minute, you paid principal all those years. So you're probably going to get that last percent and a half. Bang, you're at 20%. So now your PMI is toast. If you don't understand any of that, take that fact in your head, re-listen to it a couple times, and go back to listen to episode 55 on PMI and telling all the old folks that going 5% down with such a low interest rate, getting rid of PMI is easier than ever right now because we're still in an appreciation market, but it also is better because you don't have to wait two, three, four, five years to save all the way up to 20%. And again, that's if you're new to PMI and you've never heard of it and you think it means painful migraine institution. Well, now, now you can go back to 54 and figure out what it is. So that's the numbers. So let's hear some of the words from the pros about moving forward. Bill McBride is the author of a blog called Calculated Risk. Yeah, that's what that guy does. That's his blog. Exciting life. He also expects deceleration, but not depreciation. He says, quote, my sense is that the national annual growth rate of 19.7% is probably close to a peak and that year-over-year -year prices will slow later in this year. So he's looking for things to slow down now, but doesn't expect depreciation next year. I got a quote from Mr. Zellman, the wizard. He says, Quote, home appreciation is on the cusp of flipping to a decelerating trend, unquote. So that means we went up every month last year, and now we're going to continue to stay above, but just not going up every single month. So yeah, you missed out on the insane appreciation of 2021. Yeah, that's it. You got to bite that bullet. Accept it. Bury your head in the sand and cry if you want to, but... If you do that, instead of starting a plan because you're just so bummed out, you missed it, well, the, you're going to miss the appreciation in 22 and 23, which is not going to be astronomical, but it will be normal appreciation, which is a big deal. 5% on 200, 300, 400, $500,000, that's a lot. And don't just go crying. Why didn't the universe make me ready to buy when the market was at the bottom? Well, it didn't. This is when you're here. You're getting there towards the top, but you can still plan today and catch the last end of this. Okay, so that's the scoop for 2021 and beyond. 
So now it's time for, you guessed it, the fundamentals. I'm back. I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to freak out. Okay, baby. It's fun time. Woohoo! Here we go. Like I was saying, you guys drop in at all kinds of different times. Today, I'm a little over two and a half years into the podcast, and the universe drops in listeners at all different times and at all different phases in the home buying process from totally clueless and looking for help to the middle of the road people who are curious and think they're doing everything right to the people just looking for that last minute tip to get them to the finish line. So sometimes people jump into the podcast and they're at a different phase. And I know it's a lot of information. Like I told you, you can't do this in just three easy steps. So people get excited and they hear me say, you can do this. And then they reach out to me and they haven't gotten the whole gamut and all the information. Maybe you miss some of these fundamentals because you're new and you just haven't hit that episode yet, or you got excited and you reached out to me, or you know, or maybe you listened to it months ago and you've been doing some saving and you just forgot. Or maybe I should check my ego at the door and you haven't listened to every single episode that I've done because you didn't feel like dying of boredom. I get it. So let me hit you some listener questions with some of the fundamental reminders. Listener number one today said, anyways. I guess I shouldn't have started right in the middle of the email, huh? Um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm finally closer to having a stable living situation as well as a good investment. Thanks for the inspiration. The only regret is I did not start listening to your podcast earlier. Looking at the homes in June, May, and April, man. Thank God I started, though. Okay, so what's the fundamental in that? Well, we already talked about it. Regret. Don't have regret. This is when the universe brought us together. As long as the forecasts ring true, you're going to get some appreciation, which is better than none. I wish I'd known about Netflix stock years ago, but I didn't, and neither did you. Nothing we can do about that, except take the knowledge that we have today and use it to the best of our abilities. When you believe in the history, the stats, and the numbers, you take advantage of what you can. I get it. I know. It sucks. But I've done the math. If we do go up another four years like these guys say we should, then you're not too late to get in there. And you're actually going to get some cushion in a home investment. Why do I say cushion? Because it's not if it's going to go down. It's when. It will go down. So the sooner you get in, the higher the cushion, the more cushion you get. Uh-oh, I'm getting dangerously close to some rated R material with the bigger the cushion and all that stuff. Anyway, that point is move quickly. Everyone's going to lose a little bit at some point in the housing market because that's the way it works. You own a house for a long time, and that's the way the market goes up and down, usually in four or five-year cycles. The last couple have been longer than that. So get in. Get a bigger cushion for better the pushing. Okay, I'm back. That was 12-year-old me because it's the middle of the night. Listener two said this. Now, I think this was a, a listener who was buying with her sister and her sister's husband. So there's three of them, which is a unique situation. And she says, this will be our first home. We're all over 29 with solid careers. The three of us, like I said, they have excellent credit scores, savings for a good down payment, and no debt at all. But we're not sure how it works when the three of us want to get a mortgage together. Do we need to get pre-approved separately even if our incomes combine? All right, great question. And this applies to two people, three people, four people, five people. For most of you, it's probably just two of you. Usually, it's just a person and their partner. But here's the way it works. doesn't matter if it's two, three, four. The lowest credit score, that's the one you work with. So, moral of the story is pick a partner with good credit. No. 
<laughs> there are options. The way it works is you do all have to apply together for one loan because the credit scores are one thing, but the income, that's another. So you probably are all applying together and buying one house because all three of your incomes will grant you the approval that you're looking for. So in that case, all applicants will be on the loan and be on that same loan and it'll just be one approval. Now, not only does the lowest applicant's credit score determine the interest rate, it also determines the terms and what types of loan products are available. So quite often, I've done this, if one partner has good income and good credit, we'll check it out and see what happens when they apply together. But we also check to see what happens if we just do that one applicant, because they might be able to get just a little bit less of an approval if they're not a 50-50 income family. But it turns out that it, because we're using their credit, they can get better loan products and actually get an approval that is is sometimes close to if they applied together, especially that if the person who's good is making 75% and the other's making 25%. Sometimes we don't need that extra income to still get the best loan we can with that one applicant. Because that lower credit score, it's going to reduce the loan product options and it's going to raise your interest rate. And it's not a big deal because you can just put them on title to the house. So they're still an owner, but they're not part of the loan. Okay, then the listener asked also, is it a good time to get pre-approved now? This is in October, November. Or should we wait until March, which is when they're planning on making the move? Well, getting pre-approved twice, once now and once again in March or April, will that hurt our credit score too much? All right, so those of you guys who listen to the podcast, you know the answer to this. But for those of you who are just, this is your first one, or you're an early listener, or you skipped up to this episode, if you believe everything that you see on the internet, I totally get it. You're going to think that you absolutely must get a pre-approval before you call a realtor. I mean, seriously, they make you feel like crap. Like, hey, really, you're going to talk to a realtor before you run your numbers? <laughs> Don't think you're that sweet. Smell yourself, honey. You better check it out. What the hell was that voice? I don't even know where that came from. I don't know. I was just trying to say it seems pretty snarky. They're like, you absolutely have to get a pre-approval before you go to a realtor. Well, let me turn around and just as defiantly say this. I can't state this more clearly. To that statement, this is what I say. No. Wrong. Not your best move. Uh-uh. Abort, abort, do not do that. Here's the best way you can do it. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm definitely not saying it's the way that you're going to hear on the internet. You're supposed to do it. But this is the insider way for you to do it best. Realtor first, then mortgage broker or lender. If you're new to the podcast, I don't care. You're not using me. You can use a unicorn or you can use someone else you found who is a unicorn. I'm not trying to sell the real estate business. I hate the realtors and the real estate business. Oh, that's strong. I hate a large portion of them. 75% of them treat you for time buyers like crap and that is wrong and it's stupid and I can't change it. But for the next three, five years until some internet company comes and squashes me and figures out how to do all of this different or until the industry realizes, I'm just going to tell you, look, there's a trick to this. And it's the best way to do it for everybody. And it's just not known. Even though everybody out there is going to tell you differently, getting pre-approved first is not necessary if you go to the right realtor. Realtor first, then mortgage broker or lender. 
If you do that, then you're going to have this insider track because what you're doing is you're building a team for yourself. You're going to have multiple advocates, multiple advocates there. I can say it because it took me a while to say it. I believe in it that much though. Seriously, you're going to have multiple advocates that have your back and they all have the same goal in mind, your vision, your goals, your happiness, and on your best schedule. Now, the problem is, which I've told you guys numerous times when I just actually, I can't believe I said I hate the industry. I don't. I hate the way they treat you guys. And most realtors out there are trying to build a career where their goal is to not work with first-time homebuyers. So there is a trick with realtors and lenders so you can find a team builder for you. Now, because most realtors don't, aspire to be working with you, the lenders and the banks and the rocket mortgage companies of the world, they know this. So they have spent, I'm not kidding, billions, billions of dollars to capture you first. They're the reason why it's screaming all over the internet that before you ever go to a realtor and ever waste their precious time, that you need to know what you're approved for. Now, there are some people out there that are ethical. There are some people that are doing that correctly. Sure, you need to know, but I'm just giving you the insider trick that you can get a realtor who's going to work with a lender with you. The people spending the billions, what they're doing, they're scaring you into it. They're making you feel like you're not worthy to bother anyone. They're doing the old Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Man, I got to get references, not from before you were born. Look, you're here because. Maybe you don't have a clue to start, where to start, and you're looking for a roadmap. You're looking for a plan. You're looking for some guidance. Here's the trick. You can find it with a realtor who can then get you to a local mortgage broker. And many, many, many realtors out there, they're actually going to give you the opposite advice because they want you out of their office as fast as they can and talking to a lender. But the, really what they're doing is they're trying to kick you out and say, go do that first. And then when you have the number that's right, come back to me. And then you go to some lender and they give you a number and you go back to them and they go, nah, you can't buy a house. That's it. Why? Because they're trying to weed you out. They're trying to funnel you down because they just want people in their office who can buy today. It's like real estate triage. Most realtors simply want to find out right away, can you buy a house next week? Can you make me money next week? Rather than build a team for you and make a plan. Like I said, so Here's the trick to this as far as when you should do it. We here at the How to Buy a Home podcast, we, it's just me in my office by myself right now. And in conjunction with Unicorn Nation, we're suggesting the better way. That insider secret, the best way to get pre-approved for a loan so you can get the best loan products available along with the best interest rates and loan terms. The secret is to get a unicorn bubble and to do it as soon as you can. That unicorn bubble is a full team that has your best interests at heart. You deserve to be treated like valued clients, not a statistic in their internet capture digital marketing platform. And it's not difficult, and it's just simply the best way to buy a home. It ain't rocket science. <laughs> I said rocket, and I don't like rocket mortgage. That's funny. It's just what people have been doing who are in the know. And so now you're listening and you're in the know. Here's a way to explain it to you. If you think you have to go out and get a pre-approval first and go to a lender before you even start talking to realtors or start talking to me, I watch a lot of the sports center shows and uh, maybe even on some of the news shows, this is the same analogy here. Is the loudest opinion the most correct? Is the one piece of marketing you see the most, is that the best company? Or is that just people trying to get attention? 
is the most advertised car or or car insurance <laughs> or anything you see is the most advertised thing, the best fit for you. Listen to episode 53, where the smartest 24-year-old I know, that's Madison, she discovered how the unicorn bubble consisting of a unicorn realtor and a mortgage team gave her far better service than going to get pre-approved at other sources, which she tried. But she realized instantly that when she was working in her unicorn bubble, she was valued, valued as a quality person. That's because when you find that right team, which are out there, it's just got to figure it out. When you get the right team behind you, those people grow their business through referrals, not through commercials, not through their app. So if you are how my business grows, you are in charge. You have to be satisfied or the unicorn's business dies without your good word of mouth. So it starts with a realtor who can refer you to a unicorn broker or a few different ones until you find the one that feels best for you. And find the one that wants to help you build this roadmap to an approval. Don't care if it's 30 days, 30 weeks, or 30 months. So to answer the question, is it a good idea to get pre-approved now or should we wait until March? Will getting pre-approved twice hurt our credit score too much? Okay, well, the answer is you should get pre-approved yesterday. If you're listening to this, you want to know how to do this. You want to have a plan. So to have a plan... You need to know exactly where you stand today. And I know lots of you guys out there have all your spreadsheets and your P&Ls and you're like a QuickBooks Gold Star member. And you're like, dude, I know exactly where I'm at. Yeah, you still need to get pre-approved for a loan. Love you. But all that stuff, it's totally different when we stick it in the loan hopper. I don't know what the hell that means. Can't believe that came out of my mouth. Look, when you go through the process like you're trying to buy a home this weekend, like let's say you're hitting, you act like you're trying to write an offer. When you go through that entire process, get all the paperwork, you're going to get the clear roadmap and then you're going to get precise steps that you can take to improve your savings, your credit, your debt, your down payment, your loan product options, all the things that make you look loan worthy to an actual entity that loans on homes. And the sooner you do it, the better. Because you may find out you can get all that stuff done quicker. Okay, so let's get to the second part of the question, the credit pull. Should I do it now or wait until March and April when we're ready to go? God, I just can't tell you guys how often I hear this. It just is another example of how misinformation gets out there. Yeah, a credit pull does get something on your credit, but there's so many just basic logical things. And I'm not being condescending. I'm just pissed off that like nobody stood up and said, wait a minute. Hey, this is how it actually works. And you actually have to do it. And the earlier you do it, the better. Let me explain how it works. You have to know where you stand. Okay. And if you're freaked out about getting a credit pull, you're going to get your credit pulled if you buy a house. The bank just doesn't say he looks trustworthy. She looks nice. They look wonderful. No, you're going to get it pulled. So you're freaking out about doing it six months ahead of time. You're going to wait till what? The day before? So think about that. I seriously have people to do that. You have to get it pulled. I get buyers all the time and say, I don't want to have my credit pulled because I don't want to hurt my score. I just want to wait and do it right at the end. <sighs> okay. Let me drop the knowledge, the years and years of knowledge. It takes time to raise your credit score, right? So if you do it just before you buy... You only have a little bit of time to gain your points back. 
duh. <laughs> I know I said I didn't want to sound condescending, but holy crap, I just did. No, but I get it. You've been told the other thing. You'd be amazed at how many people insist to me that not to pull their credit till right when they're ready to make an offer. Okay, cool. So here's the way that works. All you're doing is guaranteeing yourself a two to four point drop in your score right before you're trying to apply for a loan. I know it seems really logical to me, but not to a lot of buyers. I don't know if it's some kind of pride thing. Like I can get it. You trust me and you just get ready to get the money together and you just go get me the house. And then when we're ready. We'll do all this, but I don't want my score hurt. Okay. Well, that's going to happen two days before and you don't have any time to make it up. Now this fear, I get it. It's out there, but again, it's only two to four points. And you know, what's really funny. The top tier is 760 and anything above that is gravy. You don't get any better rates or any terms if you're above 760. But you know who the people that are the most notorious for coming to me and pulling this, I want my credit pulled at the last minute. It's Mr. and Mrs. 802 credit score, which to them, it doesn't matter. They can get their credit pulled 53 times. Oh no, that math doesn't work. They could get their credit pulled 25 times and they'd probably still be above 760. So <laughs> I applaud you for being diligent and protective, but I swear I've got your best interest at in heart. I swear. And this is another reason why you want to do it. Many, many, many credit reports have mistakes on them. I've heard a minimum of 35% have mistakes. I've also heard like up to 60 or 70%. And it's due to the fact that some people out there have the same name as you. There might be errors on your credit report because of the account reporting. Do you think the people that sit around all day and have to report your negative things onto your credit report and get those numbers and everything to all, do you think they love what they're doing? Yeah, me neither, right? So do you think they give a crap if they just, no, you never know. So there's mistakes all the time. And then what kills me is then a lot of these people think, well, you know, I'll be able to fix that. Well, yeah, you will. But the reason they think that is because I know it's wrong. I have nothing, no blemishes. Great, you're right. But being right and just doesn't mean it goes away immediately. Eventually it will, but the number one thing that you need to fix any errors on your credit report is time. The credit bureaus move like molasses. Why do people say that? Why do they say slow as molasses? Are there people sitting around like having a race between molasses and syrup and mustard? Anyway, they move slow, so you need time. And then the people who are at 761 or 722 and they don't want to pull it at the last minute because they don't want to drop a tear in their score. Again, you need time to make it up. So if you get that pull early, you get time to pull it up. And probably if you are, let's say you're a 640 or a 662, somewhere in the middle of the pack, maybe you're one of the 35% that had a mistake. And what do you need to fix a mistake? Time. There are so many random utility bills for $4.83 from three apartments ago that you had no idea was in collection because they've been mailing it all to that apartment. You haven't lived there in three years. So again, it takes time to fix those. So if you wait to pull your credit with your loan specialist, you're not going to have any time to fix it, period. But most important is you're actually going to have the real stats on all the things that the people who loan on homes are going to be looking at. And you'll have them in the hand of a unicorn lender. Remember, that guy's business grows or that gal's business grows when you're overwhelmingly satisfied and tell all your friends. So they're going to have that information. They're going to do something great with it. 
because they want the best for you. They didn't find you because they're advertising during an NFL game. They want to give you a real roadmap. You're on the most efficient path to value. You're not flying blind. You're not guessing. So you came here to figure out how to buy a home, and there are many ways to do it. And you can do it all the conservative ways and all the other ways. But I'm telling you guys, is this is the best way to save you the most money and get you the best deal. So give yourself options, plan early, do all the ugly number crunching and skeleton closet opening and debt reduction and credit fixing. And do it with the guidance of a Yoda who wants you to beat the empire. So from the fundamentals, let's sum it up. Yes, you do need a pre-approval. That's correct. So when? Yesterday. Who? With a trusted mortgage broker. Why? Because rent sucks and because you want a clear path to buying a house to get you there in the most efficient way possible. How? Well, by calling and finding a unicorn realtor who cares about your long-term plan. Finding that 25% of the realtors in your area who are going to be the best to work with first-time homebuyers. You're not a short-term paycheck to them. And they're going to refer you to a mortgage broker that works the same way. What? Well, you do that, and then you got yourself a unicorn bubble. It not only protects you, it lifts you up and guides you every step of the way. I got one more thing before we're talking about credit and all this stuff and loan approvals. I've got a new saying. I may have said it on the show before. I say it all the time. Friends don't let friends use Rocket Mortgage. I'm sure that there are some people out there that say it's great. But when you work with the same person top to bottom or you're working with a team that is hands-on and not a national call center, I guarantee you, you're going to get better service. Hope this information has been useful for you today. As always, I wish you guys the best in your home planning. If you have specific questions, go to davidsedoni.com, David Sedoni, or the How to Buy a Home Guy on Instagram. You can just send me a DM, send me an email, send me a text, reach out, and we'll be able to either put you in touch with the unicorn person or answer your questions personally. I am here to help you guys make this happen. Usually I have something really clever that leads me into my tagline, but it's the middle of the night and I'm freaking tired and I'm going to bed. But you know what? I still know you can do this. <laughs>